Hello and welcome to the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're diving into Season 5 of The Clone Wars with myself, Matthew Fox, and Riki and Sarah Hayashi. All that and more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back, I'm Matthew. I'm joined as always for Clone War Stuff by Riki and Sarah. How are you folks doing tonight? Hey. Good. I've put my history degree to good use, and I <laughs> studied up on some uh, recent world history to I'm prepare glad, ourselves yeah, for we, this. We have uh, some, some fun um, uh, correlations between event, events in the Clone Wars and events in our own world, and so I'm looking forward to, Ricky, what you were uh, able to dig up. This is also kind of a, a really exciting time for us with Star Wars stuff, and I want to make a couple of quick announcements. First of all, because uh, there's a lot of fun events coming up, first of all, I hope, as everybody has heard, the newest Star Wars new content is coming out. It's the Bad Batch. If you're listening to this episode, you're probably a fan of the um, fan of the Clone Wars. The Bad Batch is about a bunch of clones. If you've seen season seven already, you know who we're talking about. If not, you'll get there soon. We promise it's definitely worth it. Bad Batch is about their continuing adventures. That's going to kick off on May the fourth uh, for obvious reasons, and we will be doing live episodes. Not live. Uh, sorry. We will be doing episodes as each one of those uh, comes out. So definitely check that out. But two other exciting pieces of Star Wars things happening beforehand. Along with the shows, we often do stuff about the movies. This coming Sunday, May 7th, we're doing The Force Awakens. And we're going to do a double header. Starting at 2 p.m. Eastern, we're going to do a live watch where all you have to do is sign in to Scener. It's an app that goes on to Google Chrome. And you'll be thrown into a chat room and you can watch the movie along with us. Uh, talk about it uh, in chat, enjoy the movie, uh, give us all your takes and stuff like that. And then starting at 4.30 Eastern, we're going to do a live recording of this episode on Twitch. So you can join us in the Twitch chat room, ask questions, give feedback, and have all that discussed live on air. So definitely check that out. That's going to be this Sunday, uh, March 7th, starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. And then next Sunday... For any of you who are part of the MCU cast, uh, a sister podcast of ours on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network, you know that every Wednesday night they do an MCU trivia night. It's been a lot of fun. There's great prizes, um, good questions, a lot of chatting. We are deciding to jump into the mix with a Star Wars trivia night. Uh, that's going to happen at starting at 3 p.m. Eastern uh, on the next Sunday, Sunday, March 14th. So check out those two things coming up. Force Awakens this Sunday. Star Wars Trivia the next Sunday, and that Star Wars Trivia will be based on The Force Awakens with questions from all over the Star Wars movies. So definitely check those two things out. But before any of that, we do have some great episodes of Clone Wars to jump into. So, Riki, Sarah, what do we think of it? Um, for our episodes today, we kind of have two different things. First, we have a, a one-off of Savage and Maul, and then we have a, a nice four-episode arc uh, all about the planet of Onderon. But let's start just with Savage and Maul. What, what's your thoughts about... Uh, the brother, the brothers, the brothers Sith. I want to do a brothers Karamazov joke, but I can't quite make it with <laughs> Sith. Um, the uh, the brothers Maul and Savage. What would you think of their story? Do they have a last name? Well, o- Savage has Opress, right? Oh. Is Maul's last name also Opress? I don't I think, think Maul so. is his last name. Is he like Mario? Is he Maul Maul? <laughs> well, because remember, when you become a Sith, you actually take on a new name. Mm. So, like you know. Palpatine is oh, Sidious yeah. and Anakin is Vader. So, which actually, although they do break canon a bit, because at least in the the only novel that at least I know of, uh, Darth Plagueis, where Maul is introduced, he's introduced as Maul. So I guess Palpatine just couldn't come up with a good Darth name for him. Not sure. He's, like, he's already got a cool name. <laughs> it's like Queen Elizabeth. Like her, her regent name is just Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. She's like, what's wrong with my name? <laughs> Maul's a cool Sith name. Yeah. I will say this episode has, I think, my favorite example of a great opening line of text Mm. in terms of going back and forth between whether or not we are sympathetic to these folks. Because it reads, after rescuing his brother from despair. So, okay, so like a brother, you rescue another brother, right? You're sympathetic, you're relatable. Next line. Savage and Maul murder and pillage at every turn. Okay, so not quite so relatable on the hero part. Fueled by rage and vengeance, again, kind of bad guys, they search for meaning in their new alliance. Okay, so we've got like some navel gazing. We're fascinating. We're like relating to these guys as reports of their brutal attacks spread across the galaxy. 
Okay. So, like, there's a little bit of a, like, you know, back and forthness happening here with how these folks are introduced. And I just, I loved it. I thought it was such a fun way to be like, okay, just jump right into their story. Yeah, for sure. I also like that this is the opening episode. And this is the only, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is the only um, a chronological episode of season five. So this actually takes place, like, I think mid-season-ish, but we're getting it right up at the very front. And I think it's, like, a nice a nice jump start to the season. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, like, like you say, with the sort of one-off feel, I think it puts us back into the action, right? Like, we get right. caught up with Maul and Savage. We get reintroduced to Hondo. Um, yeah, and like you say, it's got this emotional pull of, like, I mean, clearly they're the bad guys, but mm-hmm. yeah, should we should we be sympathetic to them? Should we not? Yeah. No, I mean, no, we uh, should yeah. not. <laughs> I mean, like, yes. Just to answer the question. It's good. It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. You know, I, I think it does a nice job of kind of setting the tone for this season, especially mm-hmm. because, you know, last season we did get a lot of things outside of the Clone War itself. <clears throat> and at the end of this episode, you sort of have Palpatine kind of like, telling the characters like to focus more on the clone war and and kind of telling the show to do the same thing but then you get this wonder like i feel like this is one of the most clear indications of palpatine being evil that we've gotten on it's been clear obviously to anyone who can figure it out and there's been lots of little like you know we'll watch your career anakin but you know the jedi walk out and then the lights go down and it's reddish black and and palpatine's just in the uh, in his office with his fingers crossed, like Mr. Burns style. I thought it was just such a nice, like, you know, yep, okay, we're we're not holding any punches back. Palpatine is, is really coming into his plans here. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I also, like, this is our first, I think, uh, hearing of uh, Tim Curry's Palpatine after the, the passing of Ian Abercrombie, but I know that, like, a lot of the lines... Uh, are Ian Abercrombie's and then Tim Curry just like fills in. Oh, few. I know. I, I could tell it was a new voice. I didn't realize it was Tim Curry, but that's kind yeah. of awesome. Yeah, right. Um, he's only he, he's only doing a couple lines. Um, and I don't think he's actually he's not even credited in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, like I, I th- like Ian Abercrombie passed sometime in the middle of recording of uh, this season. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, it's it's neat, and I like that there are there is like the back and forth because it's sort of like a soft launch, I guess. Mm-hmm. into the Tim Curry Palpatine. Yeah, that makes era. sense. Yeah. I also really like that this is we get to see a lot more of what happens when Ma, when Savage and Maul are out, you know, terrorizing people. Mm. And I found it very interesting that, you know, people keep seeing these laser swords and thinking they're Jedi because they don't know the significance of the red meaning that they're not Jedi. They don't know anything about the rule of 2 or stuff like that. They don't know anything about the Sith. And I, I just thought that was a nice little bit of world building to get to see more of the people out in the, the sticks have heard of the Jedi, but they know very little about them. Well, yeah. Why? I mean, the Sith, in theory, there should only be two. So if there's right. only two beings in the entire galaxy that are supposed to be running around with red lightsabers killing people, I don't think that would make the evening news. <laughs> Especially since... Yeah, especially since we have seen... Like, it's not like all Jedi lightsabers are blue, right? Right. There's, I mean, it's mostly blue and green, but we like Mace has purple, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's some there's, yellow and some white. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it it makes sense, and it is like a weird thing. And I also, like, Riki pointed out the, the lasers that people are firing back and forth at each other are also color-coded. Like, the Separatists mm-hmm. have oh, red lasers. Oh, yeah, and... so... So in this episode, Maul and Savage kind of co-opt Hondo's pirate gang. They convince some of his pirates to betray him because that's what pirates do. And then so they come down to his planet um, on Florum with the the half of half of the pirate crew and try to take out the other half. And even though they were originally the same pirate gang. The two sides are shooting in different color blasters, red and blue. <laughs> and it was like very, I think like G.I. Joe used to do that. Uh-huh. Um, if, you, if you've seen Die Hard 2, the, they have like different color clips for their guns. 
But oh, I think no, no, but that I was the that. um that was the real bullets and the blank bullets. So it wasn't right. like which side you were on. But I, I just was like it was very visually striking because they were they were originally all on the same side, but all of a sudden they're shooting different color blasters depending on <laughs> who they're who they're with. Yeah, I mean it's nice, right? Because otherwise it would just be a series of red mm-hmm. lasers, and you couldn't really tell who, yeah. who's shooting at who. But yeah, it is well, I, they were originally blue, mm. and then I'm I'm just imagining Maul saying like, "Now that you work for me, change your blaster color to red." <laughs> I I always remember when I was a little kid, I thought this was fascinating about the original movie, is A New Hope. That you know our hero has a green or blue lightsaber, and and the evil people have red lightsabers, but that the X wings shoot red laser bolts, and the mm. Tie fighters shoot green laser bolts. You know, this oh. was just like, yeah. the who knows? Well, I just recently heard. I, I had never heard this before. I, I only recently heard it that the reason Luke's lightsaber in Return of the Jedi is green mm-hmm. is because, like, they, I guess they had originally done blue, like his old one. And it did not show up well in the backdrop of the sand of Tatooine. That like that is fight scenes. That is the story that I have now heard from a couple of different places. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, and and of course, there's now so much significance given to different colors of lightsabers. Yeah. But like with a lot of these things, it's just it an comes accident. For, exactly. I mean, it's the same thing with the Incredible Hulk. He was originally gray, and mm-hmm. like it, it just like didn't work out with the printing of the magazine. So like, change it to green. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Um, speaking of colors, the Jedi who um, hangs out with Obi-Wan for some of this episode, I never caught her name. I think she should be in a red shirt, though. Because yeah. as far as I can tell, she just existed so that, like, Savage could have somebody to kill. <laughs> yeah, is it, like, 80, Ada, something like that? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, she, oof, yeah, she got... Mm-hmm. But at least she kicked Savage in the knee. Several times. Which was somehow, like, his weak spot. I did you get that at all? Like, I don't understand why that worked. I mean, I, I think, I mean, like, have you ever gotten kicked in the knee? It doesn't feel very good. I didn't think it was, like, particular to him. I think it was just the, um, you know, just how the fight went. Yeah. I, Riki pointed it out, and I was like, they are kicking him in the knees a lot. But I guess you also wouldn't want to kick Maul in the knees, because his knees are just steel, and that would hurt you probably more than metal. Yeah. yeah, no, that's certainly possible. I, I think it might be a reference to, like, some martial arts movie. I think there was a movie like that where where the opponent was like really strong but somehow like they had a weak point that she, that the hero kept hitting over and over again. Was this mm. the 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 revered martial arts movie The Karate Kid where No. Uh, that <laughs> no, he Johnny just, was he told just to kicks, sweep the he leg. He just kicks him in the face. Well no, he, like Johnny sweeps the leg. Sure. Different move. Daniel San is so strong and powerful. Yeah, no, okay. I think it might be like a Jean Claude Van Damme movie, like Bloodsport or something. Like he <laughs> often he often faced off off against like physically intimidating foes. But wait, physically intimidating to Jean Claude Van Damme? Yeah, I mean, like he's. I, I I avoided all that European art house cinema stuff, so I never caught the Van Damme <laughs> movies. But um, Van, uh... Van Damme is is a relatively <laughs> skinny guy. Like he's he's muscular, mm-hmm. but he's not. Okay, the, right. I'll show you later, but okay. there's an enemy. Pulling us back from Tangent Town, though. Um. <laughs> but it's like Savage is a big guy. Savage is yeah. very large, yeah. And I'm sure Obi-Wan is still, like, physically strong, right? Mm-hmm. But, but not as strong as Savage, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. No, I, w- like, I, I, you... wouldn't, I, I didn't quite get the, the, the physics of that part of the fight, but I, I, I just love... I, I like the episode... Be- kick him in the knee. I, I like the episode for Savage and Maul... And also just Hondo. Like, oh, it had been a while since we got Hondo, and I'm always so happy to have Hondo with us. Every one of his lines is just, just gold. gold. Yeah, like, you, you mentioned the pirates betrayed him, mm-hmm. and uh, I think, like, Maul calls Hondo to be like, your crew's betrayed you, and he's like, oh no. He's like, I'm so proud, but so betrayed. <laughs> I know, it's so it's good. so great, yeah. And my favorite my favorite line, maybe, of, of all, it's, it's tough, but uh, when... Maul's saying like you'll pay for your insolence mm-hmm. and uh Honda has like the best line just like insolence ah ha 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 we're pirates we don't even know what that means I'm just like yes that's gold yeah. and it's just like Hondo Hondo's not a good guy but by any now- means but he's so charming that you just you don't really care he really is well and, and something like this like he's very happy to partner up with Obi-Wan you know mm-hmm. he's a very good sort of like he'll help you out and then rob you blind and I don't know 
where this could happen. I don't know if this is going to be at some, you know, like a Lego movie will do it somehow or some, some other like weird off-ball property. But because they are both owned by Disney, at some point Jack Sparrow and Hondo need to meet. I just need that like convention what? of pirates moment to happen. Did They're I... the same person. Did I, I think Pretty I might much. have mentioned this on the podcast before, but maybe not. My first introduction to Hondo was at the ride in Disneyland. Oh boy! Um, okay, so you got the like Pirates of the Galaxy Far Away Caribbean. <laughs> well, I I just I didn't know who this character was, and there's like an animatronic of Hondo, and I was like, they a hundred percent like because I know they took out a bunch of Jack Sparrow animatronics mm-hmm. from the Pirates of the Caribbean ride to just like tone it down a bit. I'm like, right. this is just an old Jack Sparrow animatronic that they've reskinned. Which is neat, but apparently not. This is just, and like, I guess maybe it could have been, but it's not like those movements were influenced by Jack Sparrow animatronic. That's just who Hondo is. And I, I, I like it. I appreciate it. He's not yeah. drunk enough to be Jack Sparrow. <laughs> He's sometimes, I mean, yeah, I guess not anymore. When we first saw him with that like circus stuff, he yeah. was, he was kind of in the, in the bag a little bit, but. Definitely. He's not, um. So yeah, so anything else from this episode? I think it's definitely a really fun one. It's a good introduction to pull us back into the story. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, just like with the, the red shirt Jedi, Obi-Wan picks up her lightsaber. And I, I think this is the first time we've seen Obi-Wan dual wield. And I think that's like correct. Very, yeah. very fancy. Great job from the yeah. animators. Some, some, um, some, some great lightsaber fighting there, yeah. Um, and I just wanted to mention, I really like the dynamic between Maul and Savage, especially Maul oh, saying, yes. like... He's so mean. He's such a jerk. <laughs> like, you're not my brother, you're my apprentice. And with his, like, new legs, he can now stand significantly taller than mm-hmm. Oppressed, despite not physically having been taller than him. And even when, like, Oppressed has just had his arm sliced off, and they're, like, running away, he's about to... I guess not bleed out because it's probably been cauterized. But anyway, he's in a lot of pain. He's not calling him brother. He's still just calling him apprentice, which is yeah. just like the ultimate jerk move power play. I, I thought it was very interesting because if you remember back from last season, part of what Maul had said to Oppress and, and part of what Oppress had said to Maul is that, look, you know, both of them had been betrayed by the Sith. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was like, you know, Maul was like, yes, together we can do something new. We can, like, show the Sith that you don't have to be them, that you can be this totally new thing. And now he's like, oh, but actually we're going to steal that rule of two thing right from the Sith and continue it. Yeah, um, and I, I'm your master. I'm going to go to this old Sith training techniques of just be a jerk to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like, Savage may have been like, yeah, we're not Sith. We're brothers. We're equals. And, and mm. Maul's like, nope, nope. Mm-mm. We're going right yeah. back to that. So I thought that was Maul- that was kind of cool to watch. Maul is the guy who gets dumped but tells all his friends that he was the one who did the dumping and then just like is pining for the old yeah. flame <laughs> that's so true that's so true like he is so savage is totally into this brotherhood thing i'm fairly certain that if palpatine was like hey kill a press and you can be my apprentice again maul's maul's doing it in a heartbeat yes yeah for sure all right so let's get into the war for onderon <clears throat> and it's a four episode arc but i think we can just talk about it as one long story I'm going to try and give a, a brief plot summary. Please throw in the stuff that I miss here. Um, <clears throat> but this, again, for those who either saw this a while ago or, you know, as always, if you haven't seen the episodes but you just want to know what happens and want to get caught up, definitely please listen along. So Onderon, we learn, is a planet that is in the inner rim. <clears throat> so it's you know somewhat out from the core but not super far out. It was a part of the Republic. And through potentially dubious means, a new king came to power soon after the war began and this new king decided to join the separatists and we spend most of the time on this planet because officially at least the government of this planet the new king is duly like is is like officially in power it's it, it, there's not they can't prove that he shouldn't be in power and so the jedi are bound by their rules that they're not allowed to just kind of go in and like start a new part of the war even though they've done that a hundred times already. <laughs> um, but for some reason now they have their own version of a prime directive, whatever it is, they can't go in and basically overthrow this government. There are, however, freedom fighters who are themselves wanting to overthrow the government um, and bring the country, bring the, um, at least bring the planet out of the separatists, possibly bring it back over to the Republic. And so <clears throat> the Jedi decide that they can't send in an army, they can't fight the war, 
but they can send advisors. Uh, which <clears throat> are you doing effect, the air quotes with your hands? I, I'm very much doing the air quotes because, and I think very intentionally, and, and uh, Ricky, I'm sure, will get into this uh, as well. Um, that's the exact terminology that the United States would use and the Soviet Union would use again and again for, you know, oh, we didn't send troops to Vietnam like before the official Vietnam War began. We just sent advisors or the Soviet Union would have advisors in uh, different Latin American countries or we would as well. Um, it was the code word often used for military presence that was not like a full on war, but was clearly there to um, help out however they could. Over the course of the next couple episodes, we basically get a story of this group of freedom fighters attempting to fight back and overthrow the government. And a couple of big things that happen. One is that we get introduced to a fairly hot-headed, um, very um, much focused on winning at all costs rebel by the name of Saw Guerrera, who obviously becomes a very important character. Um, we also have Lux back. Lux, if anyone remembers, is the son of a senator who was killed, a, a separatist senator who was interested in peace. Lux and Ahsoka had also had a kind of like little bit of a potential flirtation. They kissed. Um, <laughs> oh, they, 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 they did kiss. Thank you. Wait, wait, did they kiss? Did they? Not in this arc. Before, when they were like pretending to be <clears throat> betrothed to each other. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they pretend kissed. That's right. Um, classic rom-com ideas mm-hmm. here. The, the fake dating. Um, and here... Um, Saw's sister is romantically interested in Lux, and so there's a bit of a teenage rom-com uh, love triangle there that uh, there was much rolling of eyes, on my end at least. Um, <clears throat> uh, and, and there's, you know, different machinations and different fighting and different attempts to rescue people. Uh, and But at the end of it all, they are able to drive the uh, droids away, to drive the, the separatists out, and the new, the new king is installed. But as part of the fighting, Saw Guerrero's sister, Stila, uh, dies. And, you know, oh, and one other major plot point is that, again, borrowing straight from uh, world history in different places, the rebels get into a point where they really need new weapons. The Jedi can't bring them weapons, but they could sell the weapons to a third party and the third party could bring the weapons. And once again, to the rescue comes Hondo. So we get that. And then there we get some very direct illusions in how that plays out. Um, yes, I think like they they put the first episode of this season out of order just to remind us of who Hondo was. Mm-hmm. I can and see that. And then also like it carried over the mall oppressed right. storyline from the end of season four. I, I guess it officially it's not how the timeline works, but I thought this timeline could make sense too. You know, in an idea of like Savage and Maul, you know, attempt to do their thing, they get beaten back because Obi Wan like kicks both their butts, and then they kind of go into hiding for six months and then come back later in the season. Um, but either way, you're right. It's great because it sort of brings back who Hondo is because he's a key part of this story. Yeah, but I th- so like the Jedi who oppress kills. I I didn't spot her, but I I believe I read that she is like in these episodes somewhere, like at at the Jedi Council or something, standing in oh, the okay. background. So like that's a continuity problem. And then and then uh, Hondo mentions that Grievous like came to his planet and took out his base. And I think that happens later in this season okay, as well. That makes sense. That makes sense. So like there's there's just small continuity problems. <laughs> yeah. it, I'm, it I'm sure they're there. The narrative. So so what what's your take overall on this uh plot arc we get? I like so uh, one thing you didn't so we knew that uh Stila was Saw's sister <clears throat> because we'd watched this before and just like remembered. Mm-hmm. It also feels a little obvious, but they don't actually reveal that she's yeah. his sister until like the it's end. It's like a surprise reveal. Yeah, like midway through the arc, mm-hmm. um, which is a little weird. And I think it's because they're try- like they almost set up this love parallelogram between, <laughs> like as you mentioned, Ahsoka, Lux, and Stila, <clears throat> and then also Saw is kind of in the mix. And then you're right. like, oh no, he's my brother. And I was like, that's yeah. gross, but also very <laughs> on brand for Star Wars. So, mm. yeah, because at one point, Saw like gives Stila a hug and like picks her up after a key victory. And I think like right. Lux gives a look like, Arr. yeah. And there's also like they're the, the Jedi in their role as advisors are training uh, the rebels how to throw these like bombs at, at a slow enough rate to get through the, the shields of the battle drives. Right. Um, and Lux is helping Stila. Ahsoka's kind of 
jealous of this and then saw is like hey you come help me and yeah. they have a little bit of a <laughs> flirtation yeah. but and to just to like take a step back saw Guerrera, mm. if you have seen rogue one he is the character played by forrest whitaker mm-hmm. at the beginning of that movie on the planet jedda and that that's obviously like 30 or 40 years from now in the, right. in the timeline where he's a grizzled old veteran who's kind of seen it all and has been you know physically and emotionally damaged Mm -hmm. Um, and so this is the introduction of saw like this is his training as a freedom fighter slash terrorist right and really opens up the questions of like what's the difference between those two and as we see more of his character later on i think mostly in rebels we really see the evolution of him from from this point to what he becomes by the by rogue one I think that's a great way of putting it, especially because I think that question of freedom fighter versus terrorist is very much a part of his character line the whole time. And that he is always the one who is willing to sort of go the extra step that a lot of others aren't. You know, and that in Rogue One, they talk about that that's why he broke away from Mon Mothma and the others, because he was too extreme for what they would say. And, and you know, I think I think one thing I, I like about these episodes is that it doesn't take a clear stand of like, you know, where is the line? Uh, you know, the, clearly, like, these people who are fighting are, are heroes, but there is collateral damage. There are, you know, people who are getting getting hurt along the way. Um, and I I like that it's... it's. We've talked a lot about the moral grayness of war and stuff like that. I think these episodes, it, it's, it's a, an arc I really enjoy because I think it really gets into, like, this isn't easy. This isn't clear black and white. Even if we're fighting these battle droids, you know, we're fighting in a city that people live in. We're overthrowing a government that many people see as legitimate how does this all fit is a is difficult questions yeah and even um the the rightful king um or i guess like in uh the the rebel's eyes the rightful king when saw goes to get him from his prison he seems to almost like admonish saw a little bit is like oh you're the you're the group causing trouble and basically blaming it on me right um in this like maybe doesn't necessarily approve of their tactics or doesn't approve of himself being used as like the face of the tactics but then Mm -hmm. they break him out and he he comes around i guess right yeah Yeah, i think that's a very good point he's definitely sort of not sure how to feel about becoming kind of the figurehead of this rebellion that's being done in his name Mm mm-hmm I, I wrote in my notes that um, does Obi-Wan believe in respectability politics? Because um, that's definitely the, the – I think that term hadn't really come into vogue until maybe 10 years later. But the idea of – there was something about the way that the Jedi – and it's Yoda as well, but especially Obi-Wan. They're just so focused on how it's going to look, you know, and that they have to fight the war the right way and that they they can't interfere and it just seems so hypocritical, given everything else that and I, I think that was supposed to be somewhat intentional yeah. of showing that, like, it's like they have their they're trying to play by the technicalities of these rules in a war that just seems like right. stop trying who, to be respectable. Who cares? Do what you need. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And it seems like such a arbitrary and like gray line and just very bureaucratic. Right. To be like, right. well, especially this whole like we're not we're not. uh we're not fighting the war for you. Yeah. We can't fight the so, war for you, but we can help you fight the war for yourself. So, Matthew, are you are you at all clear on what the Jedi are are or are not allowed to do in this situation? <laughs> because um, I'm not. You know, I I it certainly seems like it shifts quite dramatically. Um, you know, I, I I reference the Prime Directive, and I think it's about as applicable in terms of how when it when it falls and when it doesn't, and how you define it. My my. My understanding is that it is basically the equivalent of it is the military advisor situation similar to like in the Cold War that I mentioned. So you are there to you can train the others in how to fight. And if you are directly attacked, you can fight back to defend yourself Hmm. because there's at one point like in the battle, like they're literally getting attacked while Obi-Wan for most of the, the episodes, it's just Ahsoka but for a lot of, for the first episode, Obi-Wan and Anakin are there too, and they get attacked, and they're basically allowed to fight back in the in the to defend themselves. But when Anakin suggests a counterattack, like literally in that moment, Obi-Wan says, No, you can't do that. Which was yeah. just like you know, it's like you can block but you can't punch. Um it 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 
And especially for Jedi who, by blocking a blaster bolt with their lightsaber, <laughs> they have shown that they can actually deflect them straight back at the enemy. Right. Like, what's what's the difference? Like, oops, I, I deflected it back. Yeah. And I think Ahsoka, like, as you mentioned, Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin go back to Coruscant and leave leave Ahsoka there alone. And I think she maybe, like, steps over the line a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, either she, in yeah. this, like, knowing or unknowing way. Um, what were you going to say? Sorry. Yeah, she definitely steps over mm-hmm. the line. She uh, helps the general escape. So the yeah. the new king tries to execute the old king. Right. And uses that as a trap to lure out the rebels. Captures the rebels. Prepares to execute all of them. The general, who has been serving the new king, decides, like, this has crossed the line. He has to do something. He steps in, helps the the, the old king and the rebels escape, but then he's caught, and he's basically prepared to sacrifice himself until Ahsoka jumps out with her lightsabers and says, follow me. <laughs> right. And yeah, I mean, that, she takes a very active role in this. Oh, 100%. Yeah, but I think every time she calls Obi-Wan and Anakin for advice, they're basically like, you you're doing do too much. Yeah, yeah, you're doing too much. You need to back off. And they tell, they keep telling her, what is it? Like, you have to not focus on your feelings, but focus on your prerogative. But they have a much snappier way of saying that. Right. Focus on the mission. Focus on what you're supposed to be doing. And, yeah. and I think it's interesting that we, we talked about the king. The king at one point says that the, the old king, he didn't want to get involved because he thinks both sides, both the Republic and the Separatists are corrupt, which we know is certainly right. very true. Yeah. But then it because you're talking about how he doesn't like that Saw is doing this until Saw says that the Jedi are supporting them. Mm hmm. And I thought that was very interesting because technically mm. the Jedi aren't. Yeah. But, but in the same way of like, you know, in 1962, the Americans were certainly not supporting South Vietnam. You know, that, that like we certainly were not supporting the Contras in, in uh, or the um, uh, Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan against the Soviets. You know, it's, it's that kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But once the king finds out that the Jedi are doing it, that's when he switches sides. Mm. So it's also it's sort of like obviously it has incredible power for people to know this. Why aren't you open about it? Um, and that's why, like I said, it's respectability politics. It's, you know, Obi-Wan is that they, they want to do this the right way rather than just winning. Yeah. I also, I think it's interesting that, um, the King calls the separatists, the Confederates. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time that we've heard them referred to as such, or am I just, no, no, the, the official name is the Confederacy of Independent Systems. Okay. The CIS. Right. Ooh. Didn't yes. know that. The the sis. Oh, dear. Oh, speaking (laughs) of weird, unfortunate, uh, I guess not necessarily, that sis isn't unfortunate, but um, the the planet that uh, Onderon is on. The capital city. Oh, is Onderon the planet and the city is? Okay, yeah. The city is Isis, and it's spelt with Zs, but still... Talk about talk about unfortunate in hindsight. Like, yeah, interesting because since we yeah, that certainly was not a name that was, and uh, funny too because I think Ricky, you can speak more about this. There's a couple times where it becomes not just a general kind of riff on the concept of Cold War advisors, but it's very oh. specifically referencing they, the Soviet Afghan War. And actually, Ricky, do you want to jump in and talk about that now? Yeah. So the the Soviet-Afghan War in 1979, the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan to "quote unquote" like support the legitimate government that had decided to be uh, become communist. Right. Um, and, and there's like a whole very complicated thing of like how that came to be and like who betrayed who. There's like multiple coups, I think, mm-hmm. during that period, maybe from like 77 to 79. Right. And then officially, the Soviets send their military in in 79 and i think for 10 years they're there like fighting like that yeah like it's a 10 year long war um so when the u.s was set to get involved in afghanistan putin actually told the u.s like i don't think you want to do that (laughs) Uh, afghanistan's kind of kind of a troublesome spot wait putin did yeah he's been president for a very 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 long time no, he was definitely not president, though. No, he wasn't president. But oh, yeah, so he, he was the CIA. He, was a, he would be aware of the history of like what was going on. He was probably right. like a low-level oh, okay, got agent it. at the time. Anyway, anyway, get to the connection because I don't want it to get too, too deep into that specific history. But yeah, go on. Well, okay, yeah. So 
during this time because the Soviet Union is involved. The U.S. has to get involved. And basically, like, the the policy was to try to make this their Vietnam. Right. To get them, like, stuck in this molasses, this bear trap, and waste their resources and their political, you know, clout on this and, and try to get you know, other Muslim states to turn against the Soviet Union because of this war. And to do that, the CIA covertly um, sent arms to the Mujahideen freedom fighters right. in Afghanistan. Um, and there's a movie about this whole thing called Charlie Wilson's War starring um, Philip Seymour Hoffman and um, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Um, describing like the negotiations that happened like how they funneled these arms into the country like semi-covertly like people basically knew about it but it wasn't public knowledge um and they did it through pakistan right and so like pakistan is basically hondo in this situation (laughs) and the reason why to me the connection was so very clear and where i think that you kind of ran with it as well is one of the weapons that they were like one of the biggest ways that the Soviets were able to control folks was was with the use of helicopters. Like they were, yeah. the, the military was using helicopters to bounce all over the Afghan countryside. So one of the most yeah. important things that we gave the Mujahid, I'm not gonna pronounce it properly, the Afghan freedom fighters who do later become many of them Al Qaeda, um, was shoulder shoulder launched uh, rocket launchers, uh, which is exactly the weapons that they bring to bring down these. You know, yeah. basically like droid helicopter gunships. And so that was when I was just like, oh, my God, this is like so clearly drawing on that history. Well, that battle in the in the Clone Wars episode, they fight in the in they I think they call it the Highlands. Yeah. And that's like very much the terrain of Afghanistan. And one of the reasons why it's so hard to fight a war there against guerrillas is that, um, you know, wheeled vehicles aren't going to be that effective because mm-hmm. it's so hilly. Right. And yeah, as you said, Matthew, the the Soviets very effectively used, um, I think it's Mi twenty four assault helicopters mm-hmm. to to attack their their positions, and the U.S. did send these Stinger missiles, the shoulder mounted rocket launchers, to support the Mujahideen. Right. And as you mentioned, uh, one of one of the people who came from Saudi Arabia to join these freedom fighters was osama bin laden and then during the war i believe they he founded al-qaeda right uh, as an anti-soviet organization but obviously like took it beyond that um and, and mm-hmm. tried to pulling it back to this i think uh, you know i i don't know how deep into the history the these folks went but I think clearly they they were they were thinking at the time about you know the idea of freedom fighters and how far do you go and and who draws the lines and I, I kind of wonder if they knew where they were going to take the character of Saul Guerrero you know and, and then you jump forward a couple of movies to Rogue One where Saul Guerrero really kind of you know has his big final moments and that movie very much is drawing like the the battle scenes in Jeddah are very much reminiscent of street fighting in Afghanistan or Iraq. Um, and so it's very interesting to me, like the seeds that they planted here of Saw Guerrera as this kind of freedom fighter in a situation that was kind of mirroring what happened in Afghanistan um, and how they just drew that through line throughout. Um, it, it, to me, it makes him a very fascinating character, especially in regard to the Jedi of like, what what have we created here? Mm. Yeah. And, in, and in Rebels, like the episodes we get with Saw, I, I believe he breaks with the rebel alliance with Mon Mothma or is like disavowed by them because well, of Well, let, his... let's not, let's not get into spoilers for rebels, but yeah, that definitely is referenced in rogue one. Yeah. And I think, and like, we've also talked about other like previous episodes of clone wars, just being based on uh, the more recent, like American war in Afghanistan mm-hmm. with e- even like subtly to like kind of overtly with like planets named like Fallujah, etc. Yeah. <laughs> um, so having drawing on this, current event i guess not current event but like recent history recent historical events um and putting it into this uh fantasy plot has been going on for a while and i I mean i I like it i guess yeah Yeah, i I, I mean you you asked earlier like how much the writers were thinking about it i 
I have to believe that it was it's been kind of like an evolving character that mm-hmm. has evolved with the actual history taking place right now. I don't think like ten years ago or, or whenever this Clone Wars episode came out, you, you could have, you know, you you didn't have the full picture of everything going on in Afghanistan and um, Bin Laden, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much the. I think, I think you know, the different things. Some things were known, some things were not. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely interesting to see how 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 they drew upon these things. Um, what else? So I think that's obviously kind of the main focus of the episode. It was what I liked most about getting to see this part of the different fights. Um, I will say, I did not love the love triangle aspect of it. I I find love triangles at, at this point just very eye rolly because we've seen them so often. I'm glad we didn't go very far with it, and to some extent, Ahsoka is. Uh, you know, she has a moment where she notices that Lux and Stila are kind of connected and she kind of rolls her eyes and it's like, damn. Mostly I just liked it because there is one great moment at the end where Anakin kind of catches her and is sort of like, so this is happening, right? And he doesn't quite say, I get it, I'm doing this too, but he, he feels like he... Yeah, he did. Well, he, I mean, he doesn't exactly admit it with, with uh, um, Padme, I mean, but yeah, he basically says like, I get it, I feel this way too. And I just really like that moment of the two of them connecting of like, yeah, like this, this whole no attachments thing, we're not going to live up to that. And that's, but that's then, yeah, he's a hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I get it, but you can't act on your feelings. Mm-hmm. Or like, he doesn't say you can't act on your feelings, but you can't like, you can't put your feelings first. You have to act for yeah. like, the greater good first, yeah. which is something that Ahsoka says to Lux. And kind of what, like, I didn't mind this love triangle thing. I thought the like, involving saw in it in the first couple episodes was weird but when it was just Stila and ahsoka like ahsoka says to lux like we have to you can't focus on your feelings you have to focus on the mission right i think lux has this moment of like like oh okay so we're not we're not going to be a thing because you're not you're not going to focus on your feelings right like he doesn't say anything about it but there's like a look on his face that's kind of like i see and then yeah Stila dies which is yeah Obviously, it got to be an emotionally fraught time, um, especially because like it's obviously it's not Ahsoka's fault. Saw tries to take responsibility because he ended up rocket launching a, a ship in their direction, which caused Zila to fall off the cliff. Mm-hmm. But um, Ahsoka's like force hovering um, Stila and is about to bring her back onto solid ground when she gets hit with a blaster. Right. Uh, and loses focus, drops her. So, like, it's clearly not her fault. Like, Stila would have fallen to her death anyway if Ahsoka hadn't been there to, like, lift her up. But mm-hmm. she still dropped her, right? So there's that, like, Yeah, she feels responsible. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think the, I think part of what that gets is that the Jedi are kind of supposed to be superhuman. You know, they're supposed to be, mm-hmm. not even human, but... They're supposed to be able to do everything and anything, and so any time they're not able to do it, it's I think a, I think it hits hard for her. Yeah, and they're also not supposed to have any feelings about it, right? right. Like, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's definitely it's a nice little moment, even even though as, as you say, uh, Ricky, uh, Anakin's being a huge hypocrite, but at least there's a. I feel like the two of them connect in a way that Obi Wan would just never be able to acknowledge, even though he also has gone through this as we've seen. Yeah, Obi Wan would have just like made a sarcastic comment. And, like, yeah, <laughs> moved on with his life. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Any other comments from uh, the, these episodes that we saw? We do have. Uh, we are fighting against the droids, and there was a couple Roger Rogers, but I found it honestly a oh, lot less painful than it had gosh. been. It felt like we're, we found a good way to make the droids people we can fight against with it without it. It, it was much more just like actual, just interesting fighting and not Brat Falls. Yeah. Do the... you know what's painful? Hmm. The ability of regular humans, Saw Guerrera. Who I think is just a regular human, right? He mm-hmm. has no enhancements or powers. Twice rips the head off of a battle droid. Yeah. They're cheaply made and mass produced, <laughs> sort of my Oh. How? how how like no, that's not how <laughs> that works at all. There's also like a group of battle droids that get completely destroyed when they're run over by a hover vehicle. So yeah. that's they get knocked over, and then the thing <laughs> hovers over them, and they're just, quote-unquote, dead. Yeah, cheaply made and mass-produced. I, I think she's got it. I think that's pretty much the definition of it. You know, like they're, they're made to be intimidating, not to actually fight. And as we've proved, you know, once you fight them, you realize this, they're not that scary. There were, 
Like I, I agree, Matthew. It was more palatable than the typical way we see we've seen droids fight, but there were like ugh, some really annoying Pratt folly moments. Like, That's fair. That's definitely fair. And it was like it was just enough for me to be like, oh, I thought we'd I thought we'd moved away from you guys. <laughs> but yeah, it, it wasn't. Yeah, it it was yeah. definitely not my like highest complaint by by a long shot. Some other quick cuts. Um, props to yellow tank top guy. Oh yeah, in the background, he's just like a citizen in the city who's always in the background. <laughs> oh, it's often I didn't like notice that. That's awesome. He's often cheering for the rebels. That's so great. That guy's great. Yeah. Um, the scene where they rescue the king and then are temporarily captured and then escape, like that whole scene was again. I, I'm always gonna say filmed. Like it mm-hmm. was filmed as a one shot. Like it right. shows all of them like jump yeah. into action. And then the camera, like, goes from, like, one person hitting a droid to another and, like, bobs and weaves through them all. And it was really nice. Yeah. I thought it was really well done. I didn't notice that. That's good. Yeah. Um, And then the droid, the the droid commander that Dooku sends to take control of the situation, first off, has a name, Kalani, which I don't believe, like, we've ever had a droid named before. Not that I know of. No, I thought that was definitely interesting. Yeah, and then at the end of the episode, when Dooku's like, nah, like, we're done with this planet, he tells Kalani to take their forces to Agamar, and I was like, that's really weird, like, I wonder if that's in the next episode, so I looked it up, it's actually, Kalani goes to Agamar, and then he's just, like, stationed there and forgotten until Rebels, there's an episode with battle droids and Rebels. That's awesome. I think I remember that. That's kind of a and nice th- little callback. This call is back. him. <laughs> yeah. What and one I, thing I one thing I actually made note of was and again it fits one of the sort of running themes in this episode it seemed is that and this is part of what Saw doesn't understand that Steela does and that the king does is that it's not enough just to win the battle. That the whole point of this is you have to win the people, you know, the hearts and minds kind of idea. Um and that the, part of why the king kind of admonishes Saw a little bit is that idea. Like, you've got to convince the people to be on your side. You can't just win the battle. And I thought that was very interesting because at the same time, the droids are very clear that they think, and the, and the, the king who's taken over for the separatists believes, they really do think you just win by fear. And that fear will, you know, as they later quote, fear will keep the systems in line and all that kind of thing. And I thought that was just a nice setting up of the tension that you have here. Um, of, you know, can you rule through fear or do you have to rule through, like, the ascent of the governed and by convincing the people to be on your side? Yeah, and I think it's like... Okay, I might I might get the names of some places wrong. I'm That's very okay. sorry. But um, this whole, like, nature abhors a vacuum and if you just dismantle the one government, you're, you're going to end up with, like, basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Is, um, isn't it, like, pretty similar to what's going on now in... Is it... Is, is it Burma where there's no. all the... No? Myanmar. Myanmar? Myanmar. Um, it, it was Burma. And there, there's I, some activists who say it should still be Burma, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. Yeah. I can never remember which order it went in. Okay. So in, mm. in Myanmar, where there's all the... There's like this political rising um, because of a, a military coup who's not taking over the election. And yeah, someone... Some commentator on like the BBC was like, well, yeah, it's basically just like nature abhors a vacuum. So... That yeah. this is what's happened. Like they dismantled this one regime, but then a new regime is just coming instead. Right. No, I think I think that's a thing that you see throughout. It, it's certainly something you see throughout Earth history. Um, you know, Avatar: The Last Airbender does some great stuff in the Legend of Korra with this about once the Earth King is the Earth Queen is killed, like all these little petty fiefdoms. Mm-hmm. I think the show The Mandalorian, you could argue, uh, is that same kind of idea of that the Empire is no longer ruling. But the Republic is not strong enough yet. And so these little, like, fiefdoms are coming up. Yeah, I think it's definitely something that comes up all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's, like you said, it, it's it's interesting to see the the, the rebels and, and the king acknowledge it. But the other side just be like, no, nah, we just got to squash it. Like, that's, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, bigger guns will win eventually. Mm-hmm. So I think any other deep cuts or, oh, sorry, any other uh, quick cuts or last little things about these episodes you wanted to mention? The, the death of Stila was just very emotional for yeah. me. Yeah. She was a very nice character. I We didn't get very much with her, but I really liked her character. Yeah. It's a shame. I mean, <clears throat> you hate to see characters 
die basically to to move the plot or to be motivation yeah yeah because saw saw's obnoxious now but doubles down i think after losing stila mm-hmm. um and yeah so it is uh, i guess a little frustrating but she i mean i think like she got a really good arc and development it, it wasn't was, just it was like arc. she existed only to to die yeah no, i don't, I don't like, think this is yeah. a fridging i think she's a mm-hmm. a good character who has especially because that you know her death comes at about the point that the plot line for this is wrapping up so we don't even yeah. know if we're going to go back to here um but yeah especially because like one of the things that gets established is that Saul wants to be a leader, but that she is much more of a natural leader than he is. And so I think yeah. that, you know, <clears throat> to me, it didn't feel like she died to advance his story. It's that she had a full story and that her mm-hmm. death then also kind of kicks off the next chapter of his, whatever that's going to be. Yeah. And it, it's it sort of got like Qui-Gon Obi-Wan vibes a little bit with, mm. um, cause yeah, Stila is the better leader. Saul's, pouty about it for a while but comes around and like admits you know like yeah you are you are the better leader here but yeah with her gone saw just sort of has to assume this role and it's maybe not what the cause needs but it's right. kind of what they get yeah for sure well and there's a um saw at least there's a character we're going to get to see again so we'll see how that plays out um well ricky sarah as always thank you all so much to our fans what do you all think what are your takes on these different characters Best way to let us know, find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter, uh, searching for The Ethical Panda. On Twitter, actually, it's EthicalPanda77, but you can find all those links by just going to TheEthicalPanda.com. You can also go to StrandedPanda.com and search for Matthew Fox, all the different podcasts I do, this one as well as Superhero Ethics. Please check out those other podcasts. Definitely please check out those upcoming events. As I said, March 7th, this Sunday, we have our The Force Awakens movie watch and then live recording of the episode. And then the Sunday after that, March 14th, uh, we'll have the Star Wars Trivia Night uh, on Twitch. So please join us for both of those. Let us know what you think of these episodes, and have a great day.